Um, oh god, you look so much going? better now. Whew, that was a little scary before. <laughs> Twenty thousand feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors, and I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through. You're listening to Feminist Killjoys PhD, an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional Killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be discussing uh, a sort of mishmash of current events. We'll just sort of do some things that have been in the news, like Fight for 15 and more on No Dapple and the death of Fidel Castro, as well as some uh, personal stories from our week or just experiences we had um, that are uh, sort of symbolic of how the personal is political. But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Everywhere. But more specifically, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review so we can read them and smile or cringe and adjust the things. <laughs> we have an Instagram account. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. Uh, we have a mixtape on Spotify. I've not yet made my 2005 YouTube collection like I said I would because I had a busy week and then I'll tell you why. If you want to uh, support feminist media laborers, you can donate to us on our website. Just click on the birdie or uh, we have a Patreon account as well that you can add to. And if you want to email us, you can do so at fkj.phd at gmail.com. Cool. And the group is um, the group on Facebook is thriving. We've got uh, we've received some new members. Melody, you're still on your Facebook hiatus. How is Facebook? Um, Slightly miss it. Yeah. I, I'm FOMOing a little bit, but yeah, yeah. But it's probably also refreshing. Yeah, I spend less time on my phone. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's like I check my email um, and then Twitter, and then I'm like, no. That's okay. there's what else is there to check? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you're, you're missed in the group, but it's, um, it's going strong. And, uh, if anybody, I tried to find this for, for you, Mel, somebody told me that you can join a Facebook group without seeing the rest of Facebook. Like you can just access the group page. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't figure out how that works. So if anybody has insight on that, let us know because, um, it'd be cool if Mel could, could get in well, on some of the I could also, combos. we were talking about how I was going to like just create a new Facebook account with like a somewhat real name and then yeah. just limit my exposure to feminist killjoys and some of the, f uh, Other activist groups, groups. You like. but you know how it like spirals yeah. and then totally, totally. We'll I see. do. I do know. We'll yeah. So. Anyway. Um, okay, cool. Well, so yeah, tell, tell me about your busy week. Tell us about your busy week. Um, well the busy week will be encapsulated in this podcast more or less, but, um, yeah, um, well, I had a good holiday. Thanksgiving family holidays are always kind of hit and miss because family mm -hmm. dynamics can be rough. But mm -hmm. we all stayed in a good mood for the most part. I think my brother broke down at 10.20 p.m., which is pretty impressive uh, in okay. terms of us, like, keeping it together for the whole day. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I just had a lot of crap going on this week that was productive. Like, I sat on, like, so many diversity meetings and uh moderated a panel and so we'll talk about some of the issues that came up with some of those things this week um and then because of all that I'm now behind on grading because the holiday I'm always like yeah I'll sit down at my dad's house and grade it's like no I won't you know it just right, never works right. um so I'm extremely behind on grading but uh my students love me so it's fine they're not mad <laughs> um good. so yeah that's it how, how are you what's up with you uh, my holiday was also good, uh, for the most part. It was a little stressful. Um, we do? had, uh, Logan's parents were in town and my mom and uncle were in town. Oh, all of, dang. yeah. So like it was family time, like 24 seven for four, four to five days. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a lot. Um, I like all of, all of our family members, so that's good. Um, but it was, you know, it was a little, a little stressful here and there, but, um, but mostly it was good and we made a delicious vegan Thanksgiving dinner and that was fun. And yeah, so that was good. Um, and then this week, just getting back into the swing of things with school and um, I had the opportunity to uh, participate in a workshop at Harvard. Um, a professor 
I guess, friend of mine who comes to my sculpt classes, uh, who works at Harvard, invited me, um, Dr. Vincent Brown, hey Vince, if you're listening, uh, invited me to come to his class and the presentations were fucking incredible. He teaches, uh, it's like a digital, it's a, it's a history class that uses digital media to like tell uh, historical research through some sort of like digital process. Wow. And his students are just like smart and incredible. Um, and I met, uh, he mentioned in the midst of the discussion that I, I had a podcast and one of the students, uh, Robin, Hey Robin, shout out to you, um, knew who I was. And she was like, Oh my gosh, that's, I know your podcast. And Whoa, you're so famous, we, a, girl. we had, we're both famous. So that was a fun moment. And, um, that was cool. So that was good. And then right after that, there was, um, a, so Steve Bannon was supposed to be speaking at Harvard and ended up not coming. And what? we think, yeah, Steve Bannon was going to be speaking at Harvard. And then, of course, the, you know, Boston slash Cambridge slash Harvard community was like, fuck no, we're going to like greet him with fierce protest. And then he canceled. I like to think it's because he um, knew that there was going to be like wrath greeting him. But um, some other advisors did still come and show up. So we still had a protest and um, it was like pouring down rain and it was just um, so, but so full of like passion and energy. And just once again, reminded me of the conversation we had about it feeling like 2003. Cause like there was some members of the black block were there and there was like <laughs> just impassioned speakers and everybody was just like soaking wet, but didn't give a fuck because we were like out there and, you know, being angry and, um, and that was really, that was really great. Uh, and then I closed off the week last night with, uh, my college had their sort of annual holiday party that in my opinion, they spend way fucking too much money on, but I took advantage of it and it was at the four seasons in Boston with open bar. And so I got dressed up and got my holiday party on. Dope. So, yep. Yeah, so that was that. I screwed That's up the, the year. I, I said 2005 in the intro, but it's really 2003. That I need to 2003. Yeah, 2005 is fine too. I mean, it was like that era, 2003 well, to 2007. The reason why I was thinking about 2005, you want to hear a cute story? Sure. Okay. You don't have a choice. So you know the Childish Gambino <laughs> song that's called 3005? Still 3005. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Hold up. Okay. So when I first heard it, I was in the <laughs> car with my partner and I thought it was like an old song that I'd never heard of. And I thought he was singing yeah. 2005. So, uh -huh. it, and so... That's what I just said for a really long time was 2005. Yeah. And then so it just turned into like one of quote unquote our songs. And uh, right. Oh, that's cute. And so then I was talking about how at our fake wedding that we're never going to have, um, how we should only play music from 2005. So that's why that was. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's cute. That's very cute. Um, speaking of Childish Gambino, do you have you heard his new album yet? I haven't. I didn't love his last one, so I'm not all that motivated. But is it good? I don't like it. Okay, I, I don't like, like it at all. Album. Yeah, I just didn't. Huh, it's like he's. It's like very like psychedelic funk, and that's just like not my thing. So, hmm, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you should give it. A, you should check it out. But, but anyway. Okay. Yeah. So that's that. Um, is anybody ruining our dinner party this week, or should we just like keep chatting about what's going on in the news? Because like you know that's what? also. I feel like this week I had kind of a positive week in terms of, you know, we've had some rough weeks here and I feel like maybe we should just have a more positive, like, I don't know. I couldn't think of anybody, yeah. honestly. I mean, I'm sure I'm so I'm sorry there's... to our listeners no, who and had I... bad Thanksgiving dinners, so. Right. No, I think it's fair to, I mean, it's, there's going to be negative stuff that comes up in our conversation today, just talking about the news. But, um, yeah, I'd actually like to say that, you know, there's some, yeah, it was, it was a week of like, okay, here's what we do next, especially like, I don't know, going to the protest and, um, I'll say who's not ruining the dinner party are like awesome activists that stand in the rain, like that I met on Wednesday night. Hell Yeah. And veterans who, like, are going to standing so, rock. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, it, do we do we want to start there, maybe, with let's just sort of do, like, a check-in about, about North Dakota because it's – shit's getting, like, very real there. And um, – Yeah, Robert went there for Thanksgiving. Did he? Okay. How – what was his experience like? 
Um, I mean, similar to what other people have been coming back and saying in, in Minnesota, that it's very community driven. Um, there's lots of work to do. People are hunkering down for the winter. Uh, you know, when he was there, he there was like a concert and a documentary screening and it's very cold and yeah. people are building stuff. And there's, yeah. when he was there during Thanksgiving weekend, I mean, that's when the numbers are really high, like 9,000 people. Yeah. Um, so he had a great time. Um, his family was a hundred percent not supportive of him going, which was really hard for yeah. me to, um, deal with because like my family <laughs> is just so supportive. And so it's just right. such a hard thing to wrap my head around. Um, right. like how mean people can be to their own families Yeah. about, yeah. you know, their political convictions. And, you know, when right. I talk to my students about protesters, like even if they don't agree with them, I always say, you know, you might not agree with them, but we do have to respect them for having convictions and standing up and fighting against the status quo, you know? Yeah. Like, I yeah. admire people, even if I don't think that's the best strategy, you know? At yeah. least they're doing something. You know, you got to respect right. that. Um, and so, you know, I think he really struggled with that. Um, yeah. But I think my family is obviously very supportive of him, and so I'm just like, oh. Right. Go talk to my family, like and they'll right, they'll let right. you know that you're you're the shit. So, right. you know, shout out to all those people out there who protest and don't have their family to support them because that's it's rough. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, did he? Uh, I you know there was sort of some discussion on the world of the internet slash you know people that I know who either went there or are connected to people who have gone there about like white folks showing up and you know how it's just such a a key moment of white people needing to like, you know, sit back and listen before they, you know, take up, cause they're literally taking up space. Right. But like to not insert themselves in particular ways and to actually go there and do work and not just like, there's been critiques about people saying it's like turned into burning man that some white folks just go there and like camp out for fun. Um, but it sounds like that is definitely not what Robert was, was doing. No. And we so. had a, we had a discussion about it before he went, cause he was really worried that he was going to be read as that. And yeah. I share, so surge, if anybody's interested surge, um, standing up for racial justice, they're a white ally group. Um, they have put out a lot of different documents about how to show up correctly or culturally mm -hmm. appropriate, um, at Standing mm -hmm. Rock. And so he read through some of that stuff and it's basically like, you have to come self, prepare like you have to come and be self-sufficient you know bring your yeah. own water bring your own wood bring your own yeah. food bring your own don't clothing. take the resources of yeah. what's there yeah and be prepared yeah. to work so you're right. not going to be sitting around um right there'll be time to celebrate like you know there was those concerts um but actually right. they it, um when you get there you have to go to a direct action uh meeting the minute you get there so yeah. they put you there right away and then there's like camp meetings that you're required to go to. So they have it, they have it pretty well sorted out. I'm sure you could avoid that stuff if you wanted to. Um, yeah. But they lay the ground rules pretty quickly for people. Yeah. And he just was, you know, he just went in with like, I'm going to work mentality and right. you know, the water and what he had left over, he just left before he went. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, but now. Yeah. Um, well, that's. Go ahead now with the uh you know that blizzard yeah so they're not plowing and uh right. they are searching people's cars now mm -hmm. and there's been some stories about uh hardware stores just kind of depleting resources so people can't get stuff in and oh man yeah, yeah. so it's uh i've been following some of that stuff on twitter but uh they're trying to basically like starve out the camps Right, right. That's But now that the veterans are there, I think things are going to shift a little bit. Yeah. Can't fuck with um, veterans, so. Right, Hopefully right. I help. agree. Um yeah, and I think uh I'll try to post um maybe on the our, our, the blog post that we have for this episode. Um there's some there's I've been trying to look into more look more into um stuff that people can do in relationship to banks. Um, mm -hmm. trying to divest from the banks and or hold your bank accountable. So um, that's a thing to do if you, you know, the idea of going to Standing Rock is just like not a thing that you could could do. Um, thinking about how to uh, challenge the banks that are, um, that have money in this. So, um, and you know what banks And I'd also rec there's a ton of them. Um, I mean, a ton. Citizen Bank, Chase Bank, 
uh, Wells Fargo. I think Wells Fargo. U.S. Yeah. U.S. Just, Bank. Yep. Yep. There's a ton. Just um, switch to a credit union, y'all. If those are one of your banks, just right. Right. Yeah. So, so we can maybe post some info about that. Um, but, and, and, or just like Google and, and, uh, figure out how you can, um, that, 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 that is something you can do, you know, if you want to be sort of allied in this movement other than donating money, which I hope most people have done, um, if, if that's feasible for you, um, and, uh, making calls and stuff like that. So it's just another way to, to try to be supportive. Um, I also recommend listening to another round just had the podcast just had an interview with Dr. Adrian Keen. Um, Adrian is a native uh, professor at, I forget what, uh, Brown, Brown University, I think, um, and is just like fucking rad and went, went to North Dakota and is just like a super smart native studies scholar and just was it was a really good interview and they also had some on the ground interviews with folks there too so i recommend that podcast if you want to get some more insider info about what's going on uh currently so so uh yeah solidarity to north Mm -hmm. dakota native people and native people everywhere and thanks to the vets Um, for showing up it's amazing yeah totally Totally. They usually ruin cool. my dinner party, but hey, I know, great. I know. I can't, I can't yeah. see anything. You know, <laughs> it's good times. Um, yeah. So, so what else? What else has been in the news and on your mind or going on in your community um, this week? Well, another big thing oh. that happened was uh, fight the fight for fifteen. Um, it depends on listeners. It might have happened in your city, but there was a coordinated strike across many big cities of fast food workers who are demanding $15 an hour. And um, I didn't necessarily want to talk about the strike itself, but more like my students' reactions. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm curious what other, you know, if there's other professors out there, if they've brought it up, because, um, you know, I talk to my students about a lot of stuff in my class, like Black Lives Matter, Dapple, Mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff. And I was blown away by when I brought up Fight for 15, it, it created the the largest debate um, that I've had in my class all semester. They're like super Mm. amped about it, but not in a supportive way. They are like, they just don't agree with these strikes. They don't agree with fighting for $15 an hour, which blows my mind because my, because last week, just last week before Thanksgiving, everybody was complaining about working retail during Black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. And they do not yeah. see the connection. And the connection. I honestly was like not prepared for it. And so I did a, a right. shitty job because I just, I honestly didn't think they were going to come at me like that um, with yeah. critiques. But so like two critiques I heard was um, people at McDonald's can never get my order right. Why would they need $15? Oh my God. And um, oh my God. there is uh, people work really hard to make it to the top. And so you know, they deserve the money that they get. And even people who work at McDonald's work into it. And these are all working class students. These are the people that deserve $15 an hour. But there's this, this American dream thing is so intense. I know. Um, Welcome to my entire semester. I mean, my social justice class and most of, I, I get that those arguments literally every class I teach at the school that I'm at. I mean, every every semester. Welcome to <laughs> navigate. I mean, yeah, it's it's really it's really it's really really difficult. Um, so how did you respond in the moment? It, I mean, or in an attempt to sort of rebut. I said, um, pardon me if a cat just purred into the microphone. I have my cat that's uh, wandering around <laughs> and she thinks that the microphone is uh, an, an entity in which can pet her. And she is uh, very wrong. Uh, but uh, my, she is, what did I say to my students? Oh, okay. So to the $15, you know, they get my order wrong. And I said, well, do you ever think about like, if you got paid more money, you would be more invested in your job? You know, like mm-hmm. when you get paid more, you feel better and want to do better, mm-hmm. you know? And so that mm-hmm. was my one response to that. Um, to the to the wage gap thing, I said, you know, we talked about this in class with the media. Like, I sh- there's a part of the textbook that shows you the wage gap that, like, 
do the people in Apple, the CEOs really deserve, you know, $5 billion while people in sweatshops are making their shit for $2 an hour or less, you know? Right. Right. Um, is that really, and how do they, and do they respond to that? No, they just think it's, yeah. a, they just really think it's dumb. So then from an afternoon class, I did some research cause I was ready for them. And, uh, again, they came at me and I said, well, first off, because some people are like, it's just high schoolers. You know, that was the other, that was their response. Yeah. They're like, okay, but it's high schoolers. Like high schoolers don't need to make the same amount as a CEO. I was like, well, you're wrong because I did some research and like 60 or 70% of people who work at fast food are high, are older than high schoolers. Like high schoolers yeah. make up a yeah. very small chunk. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I think that was my big, that was like one of my big uh, rebuttals, but also one of my students and I were talking about it after class and this idea about it being a strategy about like, okay, you guys, like, let's be honest, $15 an hour might not happen, but you have to ask for more than you might want to end up with, you know, because if they yeah. only ask for $10 an hour, when negotiations happen, you're stuck there. But if you ask for 15 maybe you'll accept 12 or 13, you know, it's a, it's a bargaining chip. And so people kind of, even though that's not really how I feel, it got them to understand it a little bit more. Um, yeah. And with one of my students, we were talking about, I brought up Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. about how mm -hmm. Malcolm X was very um, useful for the civil rights movement because he would ask for radical shit. And then, so when MLK would come in and say, okay, I'm not going to ask for what Malcolm's asking for, but what about this? MLK seemed more reasonable. And so right. we could look at it that way. So yeah, it was I just mean, one way I... to like assuage my students to kind of like see the benefit of this, but I'm still right. blown away that my working class students don't support the... a movement that's trying to support them. The American dream is literally the most difficult thing I have to combat in my classes when I'm teaching material. It is the number one thing that this idea that hard, you know, that quote unquote hard work is what, you know, rich people are rich because they work hard and that work should be valued by and appreciated through, you know, hearty compensation. And one of the things I asked this semester was, you know, would this to, to really try to unpack the idea of what hard work is and you know could you imagine yourself trying to work 40 hours at a fast food place or you know pick I mean I also brought it to like the farm workers movement like picking grapes in the hot sun like do you think that that is not hard work oh, do you think that that work is harder than like sitting in an office all day and I've had students that straight up tell me like anybody can do manual labor so no that that doesn't deserve that doesn't deserve that and it's, and then I don't know where to go from there. And it's like, okay, right. well, I know not everybody, I know not everybody's going to agree with this. I've done what I can to try to unpack these like socially constructed, um, myths that we have about who deserves what. And then I try to unpack, you know, levels of deservability. Um, I teach a book in my social justice class that talks about the fight for 15 campaign, like in detail. And we watched, um, a video of, of a woman, uh, an African-American mother, a uh, single mother um, whose partner uh, isn't, well, she's not single. I mean, she's, she's still partnered with her, the father of her child, but uh, he's incarcerated. And so, uh, and she has, you know, I think sometimes using stories and sort of hearing, hearing people firsthand, some of the students seemed pretty sympathetic to her story after mm -hmm. we watched her video. Okay. So okay. sometimes showing, showing those things um, can be helpful. There's also a video that that fight for 15 put out that, um, there's a veteran, like a U.S. vet who's he, the only way he can make money is working, um, working in, uh, at a fast food restaurant. So, uh, people, people love vets if this, but you know, ideal people who are not ideologically on board with sort of economic left critique are often the same people that are very on board with veterans. So, um, so sometimes that's, uh, that's, that's helpful. Yeah. Because, I like, I, so I try to bring in a story as well, because I think their response is then, okay, if you don't want to make $9 an hour, then go get a different job. You know, why are you working at McDonald's? And then you have to like, 
if you're white and and I think some of them, if they're white and working class, right, they're like, right. we're going to and they're in the community college. They're like the people that are trying to get out of menial labor. They're like, we're here at school yeah. trying to get a job so we don't have to work at McDonald's. So F those people that are just like sitting there working at McDonald's, not mm-hmm. knowing that the levels of poverty and oppression are so intense that like that's all yeah. you can get. Um, right. And so I like. The only story that I could share was like, you know what, you guys, like, I hear you, but I was at the airport one morning at six in the morning and a 60 year old guy was opening up the caribou. I highly yeah. doubt that he wants to be working at caribou. Something's going on in this country right. where that's right. his job. Exactly. Okay. And right. you cannot tell me that that's his fault or that he decided to do that. Something's going on, you know? And so right. I was trying to... um show that to them and you know who knows but they're they're in just such a unique position about they're being they're working class but they're in school to try to get out of poverty right right and um it's a it's a hard sell but i do i do want to um investigate this more because um i think i'm going to bring this up to my students again on tuesday because it is just so relevant to their lives and yeah it just bothers me that they're not seeing that these people are fighting for them you know right Right. Um, so I'm going to look into more, maybe like, I wish I had a fight for 15 organizer as my friend. Cause I would just be like, what are your talking points? Because I know organizers right. have, they hear this stuff I all thought, the time and then they have a response. Yeah. So I want to know the response. Totally. I thought you met somebody once who was a fight for 15 organizer, that person at the club you met or that did you meet somebody at the club, <laughs> the club, <laughs> the club. <laughs> wow. All the hotties I meet at the club. I don't really. Well, you told the I swear you met some person, and you Who's said this they boyfriend. Were I don't know. I even have. <laughs> you don't. I say the club because you don't go to the club very often. So I feel like I can say that, and I don't even know what club it was. But um, anyway, I, you might remember later. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, if any of our listeners know some Fight for 15 folks, um, let us know. I mean, it's a very similar like line of reasoning that union organizers have to exactly. have to make, right? So, but I know my union's uh, talking points. I don't know my Fight for 15 talking points. I need to be taught them. I mean, there there's a lot of overlap. I mean, there's so much overlap. It's like, you know, the bosses shouldn't, like, paying. <laughs> I got to ask why, them about why? their job. That's it. I have to ask them about their yeah. job, how much they make. Yeah, yeah. Would you feel better if yeah. you made $2 more an hour? What could you get with that? Right. right. I'm on yeah. it. I'm going to work on it next week. I got time. Okay. Cool. And we um, also, speaking of unions, we do have a listener that requested an episode about unions um, and why we are supportive of them. So we should do that sometime. Great. And I'm in a union, so I can tell you all about yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Next, okay. Next political topic. You're it, Rachel. Do you want to talk to us about Castro's death and... I do. And I, stuff. and I want to give a trigger warning because I, I know that there are people in the, I mean, Cuban people, um, who felt, feel very traumatized by Castro's regime and who have family members who have been harmed by his time in office. Um, so I want to give a trigger warning that if you are not interested in hearing a defense of Fidel Castro, that this is the time to turn this podcast off. And I hope that you will, um, still keep listening, even if you disagree with that and know that I respect and honor your position on that. Um, for those of you that don't really have, uh, what do they say? A dog in the fight who, you know, who are just sort of. Whatever about Although it. Although dog um, fighting is unethical. I, I know that's terrible. Just... That's a terrible. I know that's a terrible <laughs> metaphor. The vegan <laughs> bringing not, in the dog it's fighting. Not vegan, it's not a vegan <laughs> metaphor at all. Um, oh, so it. you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to talk about, so Fidel Castro died this past week. Um, and I, and this is also going to kind of touch on another topic a listener wanted for us to talk about Marxism. Um, I am a Marxist and a socialist. And I believe that capitalism is a violent system and that the, that the overthrowing of capitalism is like a valuable and important goal. And it is like the goal that I think is the most important revolutionary goal that exists because I think capitalism is terrible. 
Um, and Fidel Castro is basically the only person who was able to do that, to overthrow, well, Batista, he overthrew Batista back in, I'm going to get the date wrong of the Cuban Revolution, but whenever the Cuban Revolution was, and got Batista out of power, who was an authoritarian dictator. And even though some people would say Castro was the same, Castro replaced Batista with a socialist communist state. And although things in Cuba were not perfect, and certainly during the sort of beginning of the, the new system, people were um, jailed and sometimes killed, uh, and including LGBT folks. This has been a big thing about uh, from LGBT, the LGBT community. This community is plural. Um, he was not. He he did not have a good line on queer people back in 1959. Thank you, Melody, for fact checking. Um, but and that lasted sort of his LGBT sentiments lasted sort of through the the 60s and I think early 70s. Um, so you know, there's a lot of reasons that people didn't like him. Um, his his you know, revolution is not an easy, clean, harmless thing. Harm is done. That all said, um, his ability to resist the Western imperialist capitalism, his ability was, you know, in incredible. Um, he was instrumental in helping fight apartheid in so South Africa. Um, once he realized the error of his ways about LGBT folks, he created the foundation for what is the most progressive, um, Latin American countries that exists, uh, and partly because of the socialist economic system, uh, trans people, for example, get free, completely free access to gender affirming surgeries. Um, and, uh, and 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 is just a symbol of of sort of anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, uh, revolutionary passion. And so, although uh, a ton of Cubans don't like him, uh, and and or feel you know that's like a that's a that's a soft way to put it. You know, there were Cuban people, particularly Cuban people in the U.S., who were celebrating and dancing in the streets, and and that is real. There were also tons of Cuban people who were mourning and devastated about the loss of this man who saved them from the, the dictatorship of Batista, who, who led, created a society that, um, that eliminated the sort of egregious wealth gap that capitalism creates. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot of, of information. What was interesting about that was happening on, I think on sort of social media's response is just a lot of, it was just a symbol of a lot of infighting between leftists and um, uh, sort of socialists versus anarchists sort of discussing uh, this this situation. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm really rambling, but I, it was just something that occupied a lot of space in my mind because I, uh, you know, I did see Castro as somebody who was worth celebration um, for some of the things that he did even though it's complicated. Um, and it was interesting to see a lot of people, you know, who, who were not interested in celebrating his life, who were interested in celebrating his death more like. So yeah, it's, I don't know. Did you see, I mean, you weren't on Facebook, but did you, did you follow anything on social, the social meds, social I, meds? I mean, I guess as somebody who doesn't know a ton about Castro, the sense that I got from mainstream media was that his death was uh, extremely important. Like the New York Times had it on their cover page for a very long time and like had tons of stories on him. But also they really, they overshared the celebrations in Miami of people Completely. celebrating. And so, you know, the sense that you get, you know, because the media kind of helps us create opinions if we don't have them, is that it is good that Castro died. Um Mm -hmm. And it was because That's, of all the people that he killed. But I'm still not clear on uh, why he killed people. Like, what was the, the killings about and the jailings? Um, because you... in any revolution, there are going to be people who are going to get in the way of revolution. And so you have to figure out what to do with those people who are trying to stop the revolution. Mm. Um, so he so jailed like a situation. bunch of capitalists. Like, well, that... counter-revolutionaries. 
So okay. yeah, whether it was, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know everybody's sort of ideology, but, um, but it was people who didn't, who didn't want, you know, uh, Castro to take, to take power and for socialism and to take, to take over. Yeah. Um, so I can so, see, and I would, I would, I would push back though that it's not we didn't we didn't hear about the celebrations in Miami because he killed people. We heard about the celebrations in Miami because Castro's an anti-capitalist that evaded getting assassinated by the CIA. Like I forget the number of assassination attempts that have happened that he escaped. So he's been an enemy of the US and so of course the US doesn't want to talk about how people love him. Um my my ex-partner spent uh, a week or two, maybe two weeks in Cuba before the um, the embargo was lifted. And every single person he was with that trip, you know, the Cuban people that he was with loved Castro and, and felt so grateful for um, the economic system that he tried to create, even though because the U.S. cut Cuba off from fucking almost the rest of the world, um, or, or at least the part of the a good chunk of the Western world, that is that's what created sort of destitute situations more than more than Castro socialism, in my opinion. I hope we don't lose listeners, but there it is. There's my unapologetic socialist rant. Yeah, and no, that's a really good point about how our media, even you know, in, not it, it extends beyond mainstream media. I mean, even critical. Well, I'm putting that. I'm being nice to the New York Times, but you know, sometimes they allow space for counter arguments but Mm -hmm. that the hegemonic understanding of capitalism is so strong in this country that we would Mm -hmm. rarely um kind of explore the positives of socialism whereas and, and and i guess this makes more sense now that i'm thinking about it in terms of like having a hard time understanding why people would get killed or being sympathetic to Castro for killing people who are not mm-hmm. for the revolution. Whereas mm-hmm. like in the middle East where we've seen, you know, during the Arab spring revolution time, um, people who were dying that were not for democracy, we would understand, mm-hmm. you know, we're like, yes, let's, let's fund the revolutionaries there because they're fighting mm-hmm. for a democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really interesting to see, what revolutions our country will support. And it comes Absolutely. back to our, to our own protesting here in this country, which the the irony is um, sometimes infuriating what... Um, oh, my God. <laughs> how our U.S. government yeah. will be like, yes, let's go fund the revolutionaries in the Middle East. And then when we have revolutionaries here fighting for the same values, uh, no yep. dapple, you know, we yep. fight against them. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, talk, talk about infuriating. I know. Another thing that people really hold Castro against is that they think that he, you know, stifled. I mean, and there is evidence that he he stifled certain sentiments that were counter-revolutionary. Um, and he did do that. I'm not going to deny that, that he did that. But to talk about and like and sometimes threw those people in jail. And then, but then we have Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning rotting away. I mean, Chelsea Manning in particular rotting away in a fucking solitary confinement cell. And we want to talk about how Castro doesn't like LGBT people and doesn't like free speech. Really? Really? That is a good fucking point. I cannot. I just can fucking not. I can't. Dude, she's in trouble, man. I hope, I don't know what's going on. I know. But she is not doing well at all. And it's fucked up. I know. (gasps) I know. It's not. I just, every day I like just want, I just hope that I'm just going to hear in the news that Obama's just going to do this mic drop and like free Chelsea Manning, drop charges against Snowden, like fucking release more prisoners, shut down the fucking pipeline. Like, why can't he just fucking do that shit? What's he got to lose? (sighs) I guess his reputation after his... See. Well, why isn't he doing anything about no dapple? He said shit about it. No, I know. It doesn't make I know. any it's sense. Outrageous. What is going on behind the scenes that I don't know about? Because something's going on where he's not standing up for those people. Those I know. People, our people. I mean, the it, there's so much money. In it. There's so much money invested in it. And so he would be making so many people angry. And, and it breaks my heart. I think we all, even though I know he's like a liberal and, you know, droned people and does terrible things I still I think we all still want to believe that like at his core he's like this really rad awesome dude who will do the right thing and I think at the end of the day he's 
he's still got his foot in this world that's just like so fucking corrupt but I guess, but I mean, he, he's come out strong against, um, police brutality, you know, and spoken from his experience about that. Yeah, I know. You're right. You're right. It's not like we're, I I know he's not the radical Democrat that we all hope that he would be, but I mean, he's made some pretty awesome statements and as Michelle Obama has, and we're not even asking for him to... I mean, he did talk to the army about slowing it down. I mean, he did make that statement in an interview um, that yeah. he thinks that there's an there's another way we can we can make this pipeline work that doesn't interfere with native land. Um, yeah, and we're not even asking him to reroute the damn thing. We just want him to like say something about just say right. something, you know? Right. Um, And so they're asking, I mean, if anybody's interested, the Department of Justice um, is accepting phone calls about this and they're not getting as many phone calls as the supporters want them to be getting. And so if you want to call them and issue a complaint, that would be very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It's it's rough. Anyway, that's um, that's that. What else? Uh, what else do you want to talk about from your week? I think we have time maybe for like one more, um, sort of. Yeah, we do. Thing. So let me try to wrap them all up into one theme, which is cool. uh, talking fellow white people talking to other white people about their shit. Um, and it, this was be- this has been a call, especially after the Trump election, in which white women voted majority for Trump and that we didn't do a good enough job talking to our fellow women about why they were supporting Trump or even talking to them in general, like just assuming that they were voting for Clinton because she's a woman. Um, mm-hmm. And so, cause you would think, well, I think in previous polls too, like when Clinton was running against Obama, women were like a majority of women were voting for Clinton because yeah. she's a woman. And Somehow this, like, she's a crook thing took hold in this very strong way that is, like, unbelievable. But anyways. Yeah. So um, I moderated a panel on Black Lives Matter, which we'll just have to talk about another time. But um, we had an amazing activist, Dr. Kathleen Cole, who was on our panel, and she's a white woman. And she said, you know, one of our jobs now is to talk to other white women. So that... You know, that got planted in, that seed got planted in my brain. And then later this week, I had two run-ins with white women in which I've like extended my hand to have a conversation with them. Yeah. And they're, they're different, you know, they're different conversations. But the first one was, um, I'm in this book club, we're reading this book called A Good Time to Talk About, I always screw up the title. Anyways, it's a collection of essays about Minnesota racism written by people of color. Mm-hmm. And we okay. read two articles about indigenous people and I was excited to talk about that and Standing Rock and the book club starts with this white professor saying like oh this you know the Somali person reached out and said that you know she was reading about stuff going on in Somalia and I just didn't know how to respond and so then it turned into everybody trying to help the white professor learn how to talk to her students about terrorism in Somalia you know yeah and And then it was just all these other white people being like, yeah, I know. And you know what else is hard is this. And then the people of color chiming in being like, yeah, welcome to our world. And then it's more like, right. but I just don't know what to do. And I, at the end, I was like, okay, this meeting has been filled with white tears. This is the dumbest book club I moderate. And basically, like, I'm facilitating next time. Like, this is dumb. Like, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not going to go this way. Um, I said it much more carefully than that, but that was basically my message. But... Usually I would leave it at that, but I'm like, ah, shit, this is like my job now. So I like wrote a note to the white tears lady um, and I said, let's talk. And so we're going to have a meeting next week where Mm -hmm. I hope that she can just unload on me and I Mm -hmm. can share skills and tactics with her. And then she won't feel because she very clearly needs a space to like get Mm -hmm. this out. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel for her. I've had those times before. Um, but I don't think in a book club is the time to release all of your emotions about this stuff, you know, and there's there's a few white ladies on campus where it's like, they're trying, but they just don't have the resources. And because we're white, we like want the list of things like, tell me the five things to do to engage in conversation about smiley people. And it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. 
it's not going to be like that. So I'm going to take the time to like meet with her and hopefully that helps because Mm -hmm. obviously I've learned that you don't just like critique and walk away. I actually have to like talk to these people. So fine. I'll do that. Mm -hmm. That one is fine. The other one is, um, uh, the other one is that, uh, we, I was at this, uh, culturally responsive pedagogy class and the class is basically being run now as if everybody uh, didn't vote for Trump because we're talking about yeah. anti-racist pedagogy and like who the hell would be in right. this room. Well, it turns out there's two people for sure in the class that voted for Trump. Yeah. Um, and it's a good sign that people like that are taking the class. But one person who was actually in, in attendance this week took that position very hard and like yeah. was totally upset like tears, totally upset um, about the positionality of the professor. Yeah. And I admire her for, you know, taking an anti-racist pedagogy class. um, Right. But she feels very alienated in these spaces now. She's involved in a lot of diversity programming at school. um, Yeah. But she's a one-issue voter for abortion, or she's pro-life. and is not wrapping her head around it's I'm just like so um I'm so confused about how like somebody can be so committed to stopping racist pedagogy yet voted for Trump and so I also reached out my hand to her and I said we should talk we've had fights in the past um and we've been very Minnesotan about it and so it's like we should just sit down I'm like very curious about your perspective um and she hasn't responded yet but she's clearly like very emotional um yeah and doesn't want to come back to the class you know because yeah and the teacher did take like a harsh political stance but she i think she just assumed that everybody in that class hates donald trump mm-hmm. it's a good right i mean right it's, a, it's an educated it's a good assumption, assumption. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an educated guess yeah so, um yeah, that sounds that sounds really difficult. Um, and I think it's really great that you are using, you know, your white lady privilege to take time to try to like educate or help other white people like unlearn their shit. Um, but it's a hard task. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wish you luck. I we we have a teaching circle that's similar. Um, the the sort of crux of the teaching circle was like. Yeah, really, really similar. Just like engaging, thinking about diverse topics, how to talk talk about difficult issues, including things like race and uh, sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. And really, the 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 stories that we've been sharing in this circle um, have really come down to how do we talk to people who it's it's less about how do we. I mean, particularly at my school, that is not very diverse. Um, the conversation has been much more about how do we talk to people who are like not on the same page more than how do we like take care of the the people who are sort of at risk of, of harm, because honestly, that mm-hmm. um, that's a, such an important question. But I think as, uh, you know, I, I guess as I as a white educator, um, you know, it's something it's, it's something that we with our with our privilege should do is, is deal with with the white folks that are not woke, if you will. And that, but I wish you luck. I mean, it's going to be hard conversations. I'm sure. I hope. I hope they're both open to it. Well, the way, talking with you. The first one about the the first lady I was talking about. She's on board. She just right doesn't know how to express it totally. And she just doesn't know how to. She wants to talk to her her diverse students about stuff, but she gets so worried that she's going to say the wrong thing, and it stops her, <laughs> and then it's all about her as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she's mm-hmm. fine. I just, she just needs some space to like vent and then mm-hmm. I think she'll f- feel heard and then I can give her some tips and tricks and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. I was like that when I first started teaching too, I was emailing my, my um, course supervisors all the time. Like, Oh my God, you know, uh, English, you know, somebody who doesn't speak English is in my class and I'm so worried. I'm you know, so right, I went right. through it just a lot earlier. And so I'm right, you know, I've been there. Yeah. And with, but with the pro-life person, I think she's movable. Like, not that I want to turn her in a Democrat, but like, she is almost, she's all there except for being pro-life. Mm-hmm. And I think she's just taking it so personally. And I really want to talk mm-hmm. to her about like, 
not taking the Trump slights so personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think once she gets over that, she'll be okay. Because I don't want to yeah. lose her in the diversity circles, you know? Right. Exactly. Because she's important. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we'll see. I'm more I'm more curious about that one, but I don't know if she's going to... Re- we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, good luck. I mean, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's not easy to to try to have those conversations. So best of luck. Thanks. Yeah. All right. So you want to do, uh, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. Um, What, who wants to go first? RWL. You do. Okay. So uh, I am also in a book club and I'm reading, uh, we're meeting tomorrow and we're discussing Sex Object, the memoir by Jessica Valenti. Ooh. it's good, not great. Uh, the I, I think just the writing is just like a little less compelling than I than I maybe thought it was going to be. Um, but it's incredibly difficult in that I just like can relate to a lot of it. I mean, the first chunk of the book is just example after example after example of like sort of seemingly benign sexual assaults, like you know, like just like the everyday um, shit that women have to deal with. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, the way, so just, and just the ways in which like what women are taught influence how we have social interaction or sexual interactions rather. And how it just, it's, it was, I was just like nodding like vigorously along. Um, the writing actually gets a lot better towards the end when she talks about, um, being pregnant and having her daughter. Um, but I, I don't relate to that as much, but it's, it's been better reading. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow at book club. Um, I'm watching uh, this time of year, uh, for those of you who don't know, I am a nerd about Christmas and the holiday season, and so (laughs) I like to watch Christmas episodes of all of my favorite shows, so like The Office and Allie McBeal, and um, so I've been watching Christmas episodes of those things. Also watched The New Gilmore Girls, which um, was pretty terrible. Uh, It was very fun. It was very fun to watch, but it was just like bad, badly made. Yeah. Did you ever watch it, Mel? No, but I I do would like I would like to say, um, isn't it funny that the anti capitalist is so into Christmas? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Well, but I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I know. love your contradictions. They're real. Yep. They they are real. <laughs> I I contain multitudes. Um, I'm just picking and I've been on you. listening. I, don't really I know you are. I know you are. Uh, I've been listening to um, chants. Chance Rapper, except not just like his album. Um, there were two per- live performances. One he did at a studio, some BBC studio in England, um, where he covered a Drake song, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also sang at the White House tree lighting ceremony. Oh. So it was like so many of my favorite things. It was Christmas and Chance the Rapper. Um, and it was so delightful. And uh, what did he sing it. at the uh, Christmas lighting thing? Sunday Candy. Oh. Yeah. So de- so delightful. It was the best. He's just cute as a, a muffin. I call a button. A button and a muffin. He is He's so cute. Things. He is. He's just adorable. I schooled um, my yeah. uh, I schooled my Drake fan in my class. He just he is such a Drake fan that his Twitter handle includes OVO. And I was like, oh, Yo, nice. did you hear about the? Do you see the uh, Chance the Rapper cover of a Drake song? And he said no. And I was like, oh, Gotcha. Look at you. You got him. That's awesome. Cool teacher. Hashtag cool teacher. I know. <laughs> I know. He's very smart, too. Cool. So it's not like he just gets away with things because he likes Drake. Although. Okay, that's good. <laughs> secret teacher. You know, we do have favorites. Not that you ever do that or anything. Not that I have favorites or anything. <laughs> right. He's very, he's extremely yeah. smart and a very sweet guy. Cool. Cool. And uh, he. Uh, uh, you... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask you what you were RWLing, but oh, you had more of a story. I was going to finish up one thing that somebody smoked weed in my class before class started, and I just blamed yeah. it on him. So I just pick on him all the time. <laughs> somebody joke, did, though. Somebody fucking hotboxed their car and came into my class. Oh, my goodness. So dumb. Yeah. That's silly. Okay. It was just, it was so anyway. obvious, and so I just want to let them right. know. I was like, please don't. All right. Anyways, I am reading uh, a Michelle Norris uh, autobiography, a memoir called The Grace of Silence. Um, Toni Morrison suggests it. And uh, my aunt like gave it to me. It was really weird how I came into having it, but it's a nice uh, 
it's a good book. Um, I love good. Michelle Norris. She used to be on NPR and uh, she yeah. left so she could do some stuff with Barack Obama. So yeah, she's dope. Um, I keep watching the Black Mirror. I watched Black Mirror on uh, when I was with my brother in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and we watched another yeah. fucking crazy episode about um, yeah video about virtual reality and video games and how they're going to implant stuff into our brain and like play games that way. Ugh. And it's yeah. like, you get it. You don't want to stop watching it, but you're like, this is not going to end well. And it was so, right. the ending was so fucked up that like I had to take melatonin or some like sleeping aid, some natural sleeping. Yeah. Aid. Cause I was like, I'm not going to sleep. Like that was yeah. fucked up. So don't watch. Yeah. So if you're not into shit, like, like that, don't watch season three, episode two or season one, episode one. Cause Okay. It yeah. was a good, I mean, it was an amazing, sh- like, episode, like, in terms of the the messaging, like, that they're trying to tell yeah. us. Like, that virtual reality can go down a very dark path very quickly. Right. And we need to watch right. out. Um, but, wow. Wow. Yeah. Was, me and my brother yeah, were just I like, mean... are you <laughs> I don't like horror yeah. movies. And it was like a horror movie. It just. Right. Right. Ugh. Yeah, I want to start watching, but I'm nervous. You need, I need to give you the right ones. Like season three, episode right. one is fine. Let me check on the number, but I think episode four is good. It's like a lesbian lover thing that is sweet, cool. you know? Yeah, yeah. Some of them are though like, poof. Yeah. Okay, and then I'm listening to the new Bruno Mars album, which I'm, that, I'm 50-50. Do you like it? Uh, okay. His performance on SNL a couple of months ago was like amazing and the single's good, but yeah, it's a little too, I think it's a little boring. It's a little too boring. It's a little too flat. Like it's a little too throwback without his own style integrated into it. Right. It's a little right. too, I don't want to say misogynistic, but like obsession with women and, and material mm-hmm. goods that I'm just like not really into. Yeah. But his songwriting skills remind me of Michael Jackson in terms of like yeah. the production value is very high and he clearly wants to produce really good songs. Totally. But I think like his single, there's only like two or three songs on that album where I'm like, these are jams. Yeah. So, yeah. but he's a good performer. Um, yeah. Um, he's and yeah, that's, that's real. I've just never been like a super fan, but, but. Yeah. But that's what cool. I'm listening to, so so sue me. All right. Um, okay, good deal. Uh, thanks, listeners, for sticking with our sort of informal roundup today. Um, I know we have some good, as I mentioned throughout the show, I know we have some good topic ideas, so we'll um, hopefully get to those soon. Uh, I guess things might be a little wonky with the holidays, but we should, we should still get episodes out for the most part. Um, and I think that's it. Anything else? Nope. All right, WTF. Power. Bye. Changing your opinions <laughs> on me. I was only gone for the last two months. But you don't have the time to wait on me. I tried with you. There's more to life than sleeping in and getting high with you. I had to let go of us to show myself what I can do. But that just didn't sit right with you. Ooh, and now you're trying to make me feel away on purpose. Now you're throwing it back in my face on purpose. Now you're throwing dirt on my name on purpose and you don't feel no way you think i deserve it feel away feel away feel away i drop listening to things you say because you don't mean them anyway feel away feel away feel away maybe we just should have did things my way instead of the other way we need to breathe There's more to life than hearing stuff and being mean to me We had to let go of us to show ourselves what we can be But that just didn't sit well with me 
trying to make me feel away on purpose throwing dirt on my name in public you don't feel no way on purpose i'm messing up all of drake's words on purpose careful experiment. 